Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp. This is Fightful Wrestling. It is now November 20th, 2022. I am here for your AEW Full Gear post show. Uh, we are supposed to be joined by Julie Cutler. She's got some technical difficulties, hoping that we can bring her in uh, during this show as she gets those straightened out. There's some connectivity issues, but I'm here to talk with you guys. I got a bunch of backstage news, courtesy of FightfulSelect.com. And right now over on FightfulSelect.com, Alex Pawlowski has a live Sour Graps AEW full gear review. We also have the Scrum uh, being streamed right now by Will Washington. But I've got notes from that Scrum right now, so you guys aren't going to miss a thing. Uh, as Fightful Select reported recently, uh, AEW Revolution is confirmed for March 5th, the Chase Center in San Francisco. Originally, we had heard the Cow Palace, but later that evening after reporting that, we were told no TV is going to be in the Cow Palace that week, Chase Center for uh, Revolution. So back on the road uh, on the West Coast for AEW, but we got so much to talk about. So much to talk about. Let's go ahead and get into it. Leave a thumbs up on this video. This is going to be a very interactive show, guys, because, uh, again, Flying Solo just found out for right now that I'd be solo. We'll see if we can get Julie Cutler in here. But leave a thumbs up. Get your Super Chats. Get your Humper Chats in. We would greatly appreciate it if you did such a thing. That would help us out an awful lot. 
also uh leave a comment on this video like even after it's it's live stream but uh man we we got some notes from the scrum immediately mjf basically walked in then walked out said later <laughs> but we got oscar villanueva saying i think they booked booked this pay-per-view to perfection a very well needed reset from all out now we can leave that shit behind so on the fightful select preview show uh, which we do for every pay-per-view Caden had a really good point. Uh, Caden said, uh, well, you know, I think they should probably do a, a very fan-friendly, fan-servicing type of, of show for, for AEW audiences. And I agree. After what all happened with All Out, it was like, man, you need something that does directly service the fans. You do need something that sends fans home happy. And that doesn't necessarily mean baby faces across the board, as we saw with some of the, the big talent there. But you do need something that switches things up a little bit, does promote some positivity as far as the booking goes. Viewership was down this week for both AEW and its lead-in. So I think they did some good things. Now, someone says, Julie can't join audio only at least. It's her internet connection. It's not her video connection. Otherwise, we just have her in audio only. If I see her in the backstage area, we're going to bring her right back in. If uh, anybody from Fightful out, outside of our moderators and stuff want to hop on, in the meantime, that is also welcomed. But Tom says, the show starting amazingly with the news of Takeshita being all elite, and it just kept getting better. The cage match, the trios, and that women's title match. Oh, man, Takeshita. The, the funny thing about Takeshita is, like you, you see him now, and you know he's gonna be one of the guys in the future. You just know it. When Okada was in America, like you couldn't really tell even then that he was going to be the guy. Uh, so I mean, that that's something that is telegraphed way out there. He gets it. He works really well. They did an interview with him on the pre-show. Uh, Tony Khan said that there is a a visa situation with DDT talent that leads to them coming over quite frequently which helped facilitate uh, Konsuke Takeshita getting signed. So love that. I think that's fantastic. What, what a great pickup. He, he was so much, like, like so clearly one of their guys. He fit with AEW just fine. Orion Ben says, pay-per-view 9 out of 10. I thought of Julie as Soraya came out. Julie called it Tuesday night that she'd be emotional. Just a fantastic night of performances. Again, we're hoping to get Julie in here uh, ASAP. We'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do. But hey, you, you got me for right now. That's what's important. Jamal says, one of the best pay-per-views I've seen in a while. Survivor Series is going to have a hard time topping that. This pay-per-view just made the next Dynamite one of the most anticipated shows. So many compelling story. Tony Hader, Edge's trios for me. Uh, that was a, a really nice... A nice crowning moment for Jamie Hayter, which I'm going to get into at length momentarily. But, man, it's one of those things that it could have happened earlier, but I'm glad that it just happened when it did. I'm glad that it it went down, and I'm glad that it it finally did happen because it's one of those that I said, a fan-servicing moment where you didn't necessarily need the babyface to win, but Jamie kind of was the babyface, right? Even though she was doing heel tactics, she was who the crowd wanted to win. Zach, our dude, sending a monster super chat. That's a, a reminder, guys. 
Get in your Super Chats, get in your Humper Chats. I know some of you are here for the first time. You can go to HumperChats.com. That's H-U-M-P-E-R-C-H-A-T-S.com. You can leave your questions or statements before we go on the air. Uh, that's how you get them read or discussed on the air. Or you can do it here at YouTube.com slash Fightful. Just this week on this channel, we had interviewed the Jake Something with Eric Bischoff. That one made some buzz. And we uh, have show reviews for every single night of the week. So check that out. Oh, look who it is. We we got some backup here, finally. We got Julie. I'm back. We got Julie. I am let me let me find your there we go. There we go. Now we're in business. Now we're cooking with gas here. Before we even got into the matches, how about that? I mean Perfect. it's it's a tiny bit choppy, but compared to what we weren't working with earlier, we're gonna rock with it. Perfect. Zach says this is for fightful. AEW does amazing work. The community is amazing, the mods and the work you do. This is for you all. Everyone should subscribe to Fightful Select. Get the stream to 1K likes, and I'll drop some YouTube memberships. Fightful till I die. Hey, I'm hoping Fightful uh, Patreon will let us gift some Fightful Select memberships. I I would love to see us back up above 11,000. We're right above 9,000 right now. I need somebody to get bit backstage. I reported on Fightful Select that Marco Stunt is backstage. So, Marco, I need you to hit somebody in the face with a chair. I need you to bite somebody. I need you to save their dog. I need all the same things that were happening last time we were on the air together, Julie. And let me tell you something. I'm pretty sure that we also made a promise last time we were on air that if we hit 10,000 subscribers on Fightful Select, that several of us on the Fightful team have will promise to deliver some crazy things. My personal promise was that if we hit 10,000 subscribers on Fightful Select, I will do my own personal rendition of Judas by Fozzie. And I really want to sing you guys. So please, please. Get us get us back over 10K and it'll happen. Get us back <laughs> over 10K and it will happen. Um, I would really yeah. like to put on a musical performance. So for the sake of that alone, please subscribe. <laughs> JB Love said, not a super smart mark uh, regarding the technical stuff, but as a fan of an in-ring story, tonight was a hell of a show in my book, Viva Murderhausen. Well, let's talk about that right out of the gate. Best friends defeated the factory. QT Marshall gets over everywhere he goes. This guy gets over everywhere. Uh, Cole Carter has an awful lot of upside, but this match was a setup to introduce sort of a new Danhausen or a new war Danhausen that fans haven't seen. They haven't seen him stabbing people with spikes and bringing teeth to shove into people's mouths. What did you think of the newish Danhausen? I honestly think that this new version of Danhausen is really what made the entire match. Honestly, like in regards to the entire pre-show, I thought that everything was basically what it needed to be. Um, for this match in particular, I mean, I'm going to throw this out there. I haven't been a huge, huge fan of, of the factory as a stable in AEW in general, but I am a big fan of the best friends and I'm a big fan of Orange Cassidy. I love how they incorporated um, Dan Housen at the end. I did like how the factory did the little hugging spot. Yeah. That was kind of a, a mocking 
the best friends. The one thing that I would have liked, I would have liked if they did like the full camera zoom, sure. like like they normally do. Um, I will say really quickly because you had mentioned Cole Carter, I was very very excited to see that they brought him into AEW um, after his NXT release because I feel like he's so young and he has so much potential that. Um, I thought that AEW would be a really good opportunity to just let him be himself. I want to see him outside of the factory. I think they have too many people kind of conglomerating into the factory right now. And I know you mentioned QT Marshall getting over a lot of different places. I don't know that being a part of this stable is really serving the other members well, especially someone with as much potential as Cole Carter. When I saw him do his little bit where he was dressed up with Sting, I thought that that was maybe setting him up to do something else with Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. And I want to see some sort of disintegration of that stable or at least let him go his own way because I think he's too young and has too much in him to sort of get lost in the stable. Um as, um, as a whole, I thought the match was exactly what it needed to be. Um, I liked the, the teeth spot with Dan Housen. I thought it was clever how they used the teeth in the match. So um, I won't go on too too long about this one because we have a lot to cover. But I thought it, I thought it was exactly what it needed to be to start off the pre-show and, and get people excited and sort of lure people in. Yeah, I thought this was... Uh... I thought this was perfect for what it needed to be to establish that the factory always do really, really well with, with getting heat. I thought this was, was a nice approach in, in the way that they do it. Justin Rivera says, just wanted to say I met Denise and Will tonight. Well, sorry, Justin. He says she was great. Shook my hand. This is also after she had an awful fan interaction. So it really speaks to how awesome she is. She did. She posted about it. Uh, don't be fucking weirdos guys. Like, Nobody should feel uncomfortable in a wrestling setting, regardless of of what their role is there. Uh, we've got Brent Lockman saying teeth chant, 10 out of 10 crowd. <laughs> Let 10 I out of 10. Say, go ahead, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say AEW has gotten a lot of strange chants between teeth and between scissoring getting over and between the um, the, let's see, Ryan Nemeth and what... Wingman. Wingman. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say the name of their faction escapes me for some reason, but they were trying to do a let's touch tips chant. So between <laughs> all of these different things, AEW has gotten a lot of really weird stuff over. I will say that. We got Ricky Starks defeating Brian Cage. This might be my favorite Brian Cage in ring run that I've seen. Like I, I wasn't a big time Brian Cage in ring guy before. And this latest run after he's been off TV for a year, my God, he's, he's killing it. I did not expect to see Ricky Starks hit a Rochambeau. Uh, FightfulSelect.com and reported there's a bit of a miscommunication in what led to Starks not being cleared last week. But as far as the injury thing, he was just selling tonight. He's good to go. Ethan Page was on commentary. I do wish he could have had a pay-per-view match. But also, he's going to be in a very prominent role on this week's episode of Dynamite. Uh, Black and White Gaming says, do you think Ethan Page will win his finals match? If so, do you think he'll be victorious against Max? Considering the way that Max won, I think it's going to be Ricky Starks. Um, we didn't see the firm involved, but maybe Ethan Page could do it, and that, that would lead to 
them having their match. We'll talk more about Ethan Page uh, this Wednesday on on the Post Dynamite show. But Starks and Cage, like that finish just blew me out of the water. Ricky Starks is so can't miss as a main eventer, Julie. He just gets it. I agree with you. And I, I agree. I think that for Wednesday's matchup, I see Ricky Starks coming away with the victory. And I mean, I actually, I have to say, Ethan Page has grown a lot on me as a performer, but I think that this one is going to be Ricky Starks. And I, I love that because especially now that we have MJF as a champion, which I know we'll get into much more in detail later. I love that we're seeing the creation of young and upcoming stars. I think AEW has the most unique combination between veterans and some really phenomenal young names. And I feel like now we're kind of getting um, with the new champion, this new opportunity to sort of bring up other people with him to the level of stardom that they really deserve. Um, one thing that I will say about this match, um, you had mentioned Brian Cage having this great new in-ring run. Something that I really appreciate about Brian Cage is I think for somebody his size, I think that sometimes there's sort of a, a style that you would expect for someone of his size. And I think um, Later on in the show, we you know we saw Wardlow and Samoa Joe and Powerhouse Hobbs, and I think that that's kind of like the style of wrestling that you would expect from someone that looks like him. But I feel like he's actually a little bit more technical um, than than what you would expect for someone that has as much size as he has, and so I kind of like that, and I feel like that helps him. Um, be sort of a better match for Ricky Starks in terms of their in-ring capabilities. I feel like with a lot of guys his size, you'd kind of expect like big powerhouse moves, like quick match, um, you know, do your finishing move until somebody dies. But that's not what you get from him. And I kind of like that it's a little bit unexpected. I do too. And again, that finish, I did not see him going that route i was i was very happy to see that i agree i was also very happy to see eddie kingston against akiyama i thought that june akiyama would end up winning this just because of the kind of guy that eddie kingston is and that that you know this is one i don't want to say an idol but it's a guy who when i interviewed eddie kingston i said forbidden door what's your dream match and he said well if it's forbidden door and it's any forbidden door it's akiyama because that's who i grew up and who i wanted to face uh, but that didn't end up happening there. It did end up happening tonight. When they ended up booking the tag for last night, I was like, okay, well, that that's a nice, uh, that's a nice like consolation. But I was so glad they added this to zero hour, which is becoming the just let Eddie Kingston have matches he wants to have show. Yes. Which is <laughs> pretty cool. And they did what they were gonna do. They knocked the living shit out of each other. And another finish that I love, the spinning back fists. I loved it. Akiyama took it wonderfully. We got to see a ton of like exploder suplexes from deadlift variants and and pump handles. I love that Eddie Kingston got this. Then he gets on the mic afterwards and starts to hype the pay-per-view 
And he's like, don't worry, Excalibur can do this in 30 seconds. I'm going to take up some of his time. This was so much fun, Julie. I thought it was really fun, too, because it made you feel, even if you were watching at home, the thing that I liked about him doing that was it kind of made you feel like you were part of the live audience at the show. Like, that's the kind of thing that you don't really see on TV very often. So I like the fact that they showed that. And it was interesting. I think Eddie Kingston, I love him as a promo. Um, he's actually, when I met him in person too, he was a super nice guy. Um, he kept referring to me as mama, which I really appreciated. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I love him as a promo. I really liked in the the little promo that he did with Renee before the match, just the raw emotion. You could, and even, even in the match as well and afterwards, you know, um, just his reaction, his emotional reaction in, in the ring. You could really see how much that match meant to him. Um, I think it was nice to have on the pre-show. Clearly, there was a very meaningful story. I almost feel like you could have done more to sort of hype up the story, but I realize, you know, with the context of the pre-show, you really only have so much time to, like, create a video package to do that. Um just because they talked about Eddie Kingston's background, they talked about him at age 18 and how wrestling was kind of what changed the trajectory of his life. And this match was kind of the culmination of all of that. Um, and like you said, they basically just kind of had a slobber knocker. Um, yes. it, it, was, was, it was exactly what it should have been. That's what how we I expected felt. to see. That's how I felt too. And just the show of respect um, at the end of the match, it was very classic Eddie Kingston. Um, and I mean, all in all, I just felt like the pre-show as a whole was, it, yeah, it wasn't anything crazy. Um, there was plenty of of exciting stuff on the main show that, you know, we didn't really need to get too crazy on the pre-show. But I felt like this was a good, you know, sort of get everybody emotionally invested in what's going on before the main show started. Yeah, I agree. A, a wonderful pre-show. Now, I mean, granted. I don't necessarily need to see five straight hours of wrestling. That's me. <laughs> but it was five straight hours of really good wrestling. Sawyer yeah, says, what? Eddie Kingston, that's the super chat. Joey Bagadonut says, in the long list of AEW wrestlers that deserve a push or even some airtime, put Eddie Kingston near the top of the list. Man, he's on that list. I'm going to have updates on several people that are missing from TV. I'm going to have several contract updates on FightfulSelect.com. The best $5 in the business check it out i've got a bunch of notes backstage notes that we ran today uh, including an act that didn't pop up on the pay-per-view i'll tell you a little bit about it later but uh shot kid says that might be my favorite pay-per-view of the year every match was good to great happy with all the results curious about what's to come in aew also want eddie to hype pay-per-views on every pre-show now after that promo me too it was fun and it was endearing and it did make me go like, okay, that was that was cool. That was different. And yeah, I didn't think there were any bad matches tonight. I mean, there were some that weren't great compared to others, but I think that this was a whole lot of fun, this show. But I totally agree. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? 
The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I was legitimately very excited for this show because there really w- there were maybe two matches that I felt were just okay in comparison to some of the others. But other than that, everything else I was legitimately very excited for. I also think that between all of the championships in AEW and now ROH, there were a lot of matches that had high stakes to them. It just felt like we had championship match after championship match after championship match for five hours, which as a paying customer, I think that that's pretty cool. I realized that, you know, in the past we've had the complaint the general complaint being just how long AEW's pay-per-views are. I think for having, you know, only four of them a year. And I think that, um, you know, for, for someone who's spending $50 to watch, I personally don't, don't mind it being that long. I appreciate it for this show. I feel like there was less content that felt like it could be on a dynamite or a rampage and more that felt like it was fitting for the pay-per-view. So the main card, man, it started with a banger. Steel cage match. Jungle Boy Jack Perry against Luchasaurus. Christian gets kicked out with the quickness. 
But that opens up the cage door. And what happens when they open up the cage door? Jungle Boy gets busted wide open. He's bleeding all over the place. It was it was a lot of blood on his face, but it wasn't like pooling everywhere. But there was a lot of cool interaction outside the cage. They ended up going back in, and they just threw everything at the wall. Now, if this would have ended any, like, like there were four or five times when, even in the moment, I was like, this should have ended. But no, by the actual end of the match, I'm glad that it ended the way that it did. There were tombstones and reverse power bombs and Canadian destroyers and pile drivers and all kinds of stuff. And any one of those, I would have been sold on the finish. The unprettier on the chair would have been sold on the finish, would have been fine with it. Then they went flying elbow drop off the top of the cage, snare trap, and there was this awesome moment. I don't know what the hell it was that Luchasaurus had in his mouth, but he like spit out blood or something. I, I'm assuming it was just worked blood. I haven't heard of anything uh, remarkably or like remotely close to that yet, but it added so much to that finish after all that they had been through, Julie. You've got Luchasaurus stuck in this submission hold and he's just like, Bleh. like he is extinct at this point. I and- I thought that, I apologize. No, no, no go ahead. I loved this as a start to the show. I love when they start pay-per-views off with a banger that you feel like shouldn't be the first match, but then they kind of surprise you and you're like, oh, this is the first match. Like, I wouldn't have expected you to start with this. So I always appreciate like that little little bit of shock factor of like, oh my God, they're going to start the show with this because that that sets the bar very high. Um, so I, I liked where they placed it in the card. I kind of figured right off the bat that Jungle Boy was going to get the win because I felt like that was the only way that made sense in order to eventually set him up to take on Christian. So I figured that that was probably going to be the outcome. And I feel like they got the outcome right, which I appreciated. I was a little bit surprised. I will say that he submitted Luchasaurus. I wasn't expecting that because I was kind of thinking as just because of the size difference between the two Luchasaurus being, you know, one of the, the giants in AEW, I figured that they were going to want him to lose in a way that still made him look strong. Yeah. So I was a little so I was a little surprised that he he submitted, but after all that I didn't really mind though. Like they I, went through so much like the unpretty or the pile drivers, the elbow drop, the snare trap. There was so much that happened in that. I like agree with that. That's one like I always love the, the Randy. Like yeah, I, I love the that. Randy Savage <laughs> method. He said Win them in the ring, lose them in the ring. As, as you know, everybody, if they look competent, it's okay. Sometimes great wrestlers lose to other great wrestlers, and I'm okay with that. I'm completely fine with that. I thought that Jungle Boy or Jack Perry, as as we, he was called tonight, came out looking great. And uh, Goth Pile Driver said it was fossil fuel. Very clever. Can I just say really quickly, Jungle Boy has. Beautiful hair. I have to give a shout out to the AEW Glam Squad as well. The whole family! The way that they they styled it tonight because, I mean, he has more beautiful hair than, like, a lot of women. (laughs) Did you see his sister? Did you see, like, his family? That family is genetically blessed. (laughs) No, when aliens invade our planet, they're just going to show up at the Perry house, take a couple (laughs) strands of hair, and they're like, we're good. No war. We just want the secret. We want the DNA sample for this hair. (laughs) <laughs> that's it. 
They've got I, masterful hair. I loved his hair. I like anytime people pull out the pay-per-view gear. I loved the gear. Um, they had it, like you said, a lot of really special moments in this match. I think there was a Canadian destroyer that he had di- he had done um catapulting himself off of the steel chair. And then all also the elbow, the elbow drop moment was kind of cool because well, I mean. Obviously, it's a very impressive spot, but there was also that moment, Jungle Boy being the technician, high-flying sure. technician that he is, there was that moment when he gets to the top of the cage, and you're wondering, what's he going to pull out? And the fact that it was an elbow drop, it was kind of, it was simple, to the point, went right through the table. I liked it. Brent Lockman says, think Christian was dressed like Paul Bearer on purpose with the red suit. There were some real cane vibes with Luchasaurus tonight. Some real cane vibes. But I, I think it was just a coincidence. But yeah, I think that it was just I think it was was just by by circumstance. But I did absolutely love the way when he got ejected, I loved the way that they had to just drag him away like a seven-year-old and he's flailing. I thought the Christian as a heel works very, very well for me. I love the way that he sold that part of the match. Yeah. Oh, man. This is going to be one that we get uh, probably a lot of interaction on. The Elite are back. They have Wayward Son by Kansas as a Oh, team. man. Ugh. Now, here's here's an interesting aspect of this. A lot of people were wondering, well, how are the elite going to handle being at the scrum? How are they going to handle answering questions after they win these trios titles? Because if they win those trios titles, it's going to be hard to not have them there. Well, guess what? They probably ain't going to be at the scrum because they didn't win the match. I was shocked. I was shocked by that, too. Shocked. I I thought for sure we were going to see this. Lights off, lights on, House of Black. I thought that's what was going to happen. None of that happened. The elite lose. A best of seven series all the way into January has been announced. Jamal says, please, please give me House of Black. Well, FightfulSelect.com reported this weekend. House of Black were there this weekend. Uh, Malachi and Buddy, I, I know for sure. And then I was told this, this afternoon that uh, Julia and Brody were supposedly around as well. I know Malachi was there. Don't know in what capacity. Maybe he was having a discussion. I don't know. Don't want to speculate, but that made me certainly think it's happening imminently. Um, I do think that it's, so I've got a lot of mixed thoughts here because first off, I don't know if the titles are on the line with each match. Like, can they switch back and forth? But the match itself, unbelievable. But let's start from the entrance. Kansas, Wayward Son. This is something the Young Bucks have pushed for for quite a while. Uh, they, I think they've made this public, but it's something I was told that they had pushed for. Doug says, will Wayward Son be permanent or a one-time thing? I'm, I'm, I think we'll probably get an answer to that uh, during the scrum, and I'm waiting for some notes. But Kansas promoted it on their Twitter even. like They, they put it out there. It's like the 43-year anniversary of uh, that, that being released as a single. But from an entrance standpoint, what an epic return, Julie. Yes, I was the first thing that I thought when I heard them come out to uh, carry on my wayward son, I was wondering how much money did Tony Khan spend on the rights to this music? My thought is 
I kind of want to just see it as like a one-time thing. I guess we'll find out as the series goes on whether or not they use it again. Um, I thought it was an epic entrance. Honestly, anytime you put the elite and death triangle in the ring together, no matter how many times you put them in the ring together, any combination of these guys that you put together, you know, it's like banger alert, you know, that it is a banger waiting to happen. And so I, well, I was very excited to see that the elite was coming back. And then as soon as I saw they were facing death triangle, I was just like, this match is going to be hook line and sinker, um, which it was. And I, I was fully expecting the elite to win the titles back upon their comeback. And so I was actually kind of, I was surprised by the ending, but I thought that they did it in a very clever way. Um, Incorporating the, the hammer. Um, I mean, there were just so many, every match that these guys have together, there's just so many special moments. I feel like as I'm watching, I'm trying to make notes in my head to myself as to like which spots I want to talk about when we do the show together. Sure. And it just gets to the the, the point where these I'll... guys work so fast and they have so many high spots that it's yeah. hard to even keep those mental notes because that's just their style. Oh yeah. I I've I've went I will hit bullet points on some of that stuff, but like for a while on Fightful we did like play by play essentially of it and it's like if people want that, they'll just watch the match. But I'll exactly. tell you, I'll tell you the spot right out of the gate I love. Nick Jackson flying to the outside and somebody just casually hands him a drink. And I think he looked oh at him. Goodness. I think he looked at him and he goes, Is it diet? I saw, I saw him. <laughs> I was kind of wondering about that too, because I was like, oh dear God. I was like, what I was like, that is very uh very bold of him yes. to accept. But I mean, from a, a comedic standpoint as someone watching. It was hilarious. There were there were a lot of little things like just in the way that the elite presents themselves. I was like, I was getting a kick out of the fact that Brandon Cutler holds his own little camera outside of the ring. Yeah, and he's vlogging. Okay, because I was like, what you're filming one of your teammates in a submission hold on your he's- own separate <laughs> Well, yeah, he's he's vlogging for being the elite. So whenever you see that okay. ringside footage, that's that's, that's legitimately Brandon Cutler filming that at ringside, and that is legitimately a part of his AEW contract is that he produces digital content for them okay, for that show. I, I do follow being the elite to some degree, yeah. But there was part of me that was wondering, like, how much of that is legitimate, and how much of that is just Brandon Cutler being Brandon Cutler, <laughs> and then. We get, um, you know, uh, Don Callis with the the sparkly shoes. And I love yes. having him back on commentary, too, because I feel like he is the perfect balance of, like, actually being good at commentary, like, actually fitting in well with the commentary team, but then also hyping up his own guys and, like, just getting in, like, the right little comments about his own guys. Um, So I was just really glad to have them back. I loved Kenny's gear. I love that he brought out some pay-per-view gear. He looked phenomenal. He looked like he was in phenomenal shape. Like, he he hadn't missed a step. He'd still been working. Um, And like I said, I was really surprised. I was surprised by the ending of this match, but I think they did it in just the right 
way because I feel like with the elite having been gone for a while and under the circumstances that they left under, I feel like it was sort of the assumption that, okay, if they're coming back, they're going to get their titles back. So if there was any way to sort of have a surprise outcome, I feel like this was a smart way of doing it where you didn't give them a clean loss that just sort of buried their comeback. And then the fact that they're following following it up with the best of seven, you know, it, it gives them the opportunity to get their get their titles back to get that chance at a comeback. Um, but it also just gives us an opportunity to see banger matches for seven weeks. <laughs> Um, I don't know if they're, I have to double check the dates. Yeah. I don't know if they're all consecutive. Well, let, let's, let's get into, before we get into that, we'll, we'll sure. break it down by the actual match, but there was a threaded story throughout the last few weeks in that Pac wanted Ray Phoenix to like cheat, use the hammer, all that stuff. That's similar to what we saw with Keith Lee and Swerve later yeah. on and, and throughout their team. However, uh, Ray Phoenix gave in and, shocked everybody shocked the audience it was it was amazing i did not expect to see the elite lose much less ray phoenix do it that way i thought that that was just an unbelievable finish um it was a great finish it got the right kind of reaction it was it was shock um i i don't know if i, I don't know yet how i feel about the elite losing uh, immediately I was like, oh, wow, well, the, maybe Omega goes into a top title picture. No, they're going to do the best of seven. I do like that, okay, the elite are back, so it doesn't feel like a holding pattern anymore. Because I know a lot of people were like, well, anybody they establish as a trio is yada yada. Until the elite get back, it'll be like a holding pattern. Well, now everybody knows the drill. Everybody knows that the champions and the elite are in this best of seven. Right now, you've got the acclaimed and Billy Gunn. If they ever want to do trios, they can. You got best friends. You got Blackpool Combat Club, Dark Order, Death Triangle, The Elite, the Factory, The Firm, Jericho Appreciation Society, Wardlow and FTR can team up. You got Sanjay, Satnam, and uh, Jay Lethal, and Jeff Jarrett. Sanjay probably won't be wrestling, but Jeff Jarrett will. You got the Trustbusters, the Wingmen. You do have some options there. House of Black will be back sooner than later by the looks of it. So when I look at that, also uh, Hardy and and uh, Private Party have continued to do stuff together. So now yeah, you've got LFI. You've got an awful lot of people that that you can lean into and do some cool stuff with that maybe you, you didn't have for a while because you didn't have two big ones. You didn't have the Elite. You didn't have House of Black. For a very long time, for a few months, and that hurt. That really hurt. But you're getting them back, so the thing things are looking good, Julie. I thought we were going to see House of Black tonight. I thought for sure we were. I actually, I hadn't thought about that. I've been following all the vignettes that they've been releasing mm -hmm. over the past several weeks, so that we know that they're coming back, which I'm very, very glad about because mm -hmm. I feel like they have so much more untapped potential as a group. I didn't mind that they didn't come back tonight just because the elite was just making their comeback. Um, 
And I kind of wanted to see what happened between these two teams sort of organically. I I don't mind taking a little bit more time to continue hyping up the House of Black with these vignettes and kind of letting the Elite and Death Triangle do their thing, especially because I'm wondering with this best of seven, with the amount of content that they put into all of their matches, I'm really curious as to how they're going to keep doing this and making it feel fresh every single time. But I think if there is, if there are any two teams to do it, I feel like these are your two teams. So um, I don't mind giving the House of Black a little bit more time to kind of simmer and just keep teasing us and, and keep teasing their comeback. And then when they do make the comeback, really make an impact. I didn't mind that it wasn't tonight just because there was so much else going on. Um, I don't, I don't mind waiting for them to have a really big, impactful boom whenever they do come back. Our friend Colin says the best of seven is not consecutive because they're missing the Seattle date on January 4th. I'm upset, but not much because Death Triangle and the Elite have never had a bad match. So that's the thing. Like, I'm not a fan of repeated the same match over and over and over again. I liked an idea that I saw of adding a stipulation to each match. And I, I had mentioned earlier, like, well, is each one for the title? Can it switch back and forth? I think that's how the U.S. title one was with Benoit and Booker. I can't really remember. But uh, if and somebody said, oh, no, whoever wins the series gets the title. Well, the title was on the line in match one. Tonight counted. Yes. But that's not the only night that they're skipping. They're doing uh, tonight. They're doing this Wednesday, next Wednesday. Then they're skipping uh, de- December 7th. So none December 7th, 14th, 21st, 28th, all have matches. And that includes winter is coming holiday bash, new Year's smash three straight special events. Then there's none on December f- or January 4th. Well, guess what happens every year on January 4th, Tokyo dome, new Japan pro wrestling. That makes me wonder or maybe they headed over there. Are we maybe going to finally see Omega and the Bucks back over in New Japan? Could that happen? I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting that they aren't doing that date of all the dates. Uh, but very, very interesting. And I think that they will make these matches unique enough, different enough um, to where they will they will satisfy me. And plus... I've missed them so much. I've missed the elite in the ring so much. Kenny Omega looked like a million bucks. This guy had vertigo and a a pretty bad like leg injury and a sports hernia and a shoulder injury. And he's had effectively one full year to heal up finally after after all those injuries. Uh, Joey Bag of Donuts says he hoped the elite were going to show up in Target uniforms. (laughs) Oh, boy. Sawyer says, after nearly a decade of fans chanting CM Punk to troll the promotion, tonight had fuck CM Punk chance. It was surreal. The future of wrestling looks bright. The elite is back, baby. Listen, I love CM Punk as a performer. He's one of my favorite performers of all time. From an interview perspective, I can't say that I agree with how he handled the scrum. I thought he handled it poorly. However, I will say this. Anytime that guy talks into a microphone, I am fascinated with what he is going to say, what he might say, what's on his mind. He keeps me glued to the screen. That being said, 
I would not trade potentially seven years of in-ring with Kenny Omega, maybe 10 out of Nick, eight out of Matt, and then whatever they can do from an executive standpoint after that for maybe a couple more years of CM Punk. I would not have done that. My hope is that CM Punk looks at this and he goes, yeah, I went too far at the scrum. I don't know whose fault the fight was because I wasn't there, but I hope that he looks at that and says, you know what? I went too far at the scrum, but I'd like to make millions of dollars off of me going too far at the scrum. Let me make good with these people because that would make the most interesting story in AEW history. Do I believe it's going to happen? No, I don't. But um, what did you think of fuck CM Punk chance, Julie? Well, I have to say, I agree with a lot of what you just said. I think that if there was some way that he, you know, decided that he wanted to make amends and come back and turn a lot of this into story. I think historically, we always see that some of the best stories in wrestling are things that are based off of real life beef that sort of blend that line between how real is this and where are they starting to to play us a little bit. Um, do I think that's going to happen? I do not foresee that happening. Um, especially a couple weeks ago, um, when Chris Jericho had issued his challenge to any former ROH champion and that, um, former champion ended up being Colt Cabana. I kind of felt like that was a, yeah. a message, a clear message where I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. I will say that, you know, after losing Cody earlier this year and then after not having and, you know, having a period of time without MJF, having a period of time without the elite, I felt like there were just so many people that felt like staples to this company that had been gone where I when I started seeing the vignettes for the elite returning, I was just it was like a sigh of relief. I was like, oh, my gosh, like these people are like the heart and soul of AEW. Um, so do, I was kind of, I, I was a little bit surprised by the CM Punk chance, I have to say. Um, I mean, I guess in, in the context of, of that match, I, I know why people were doing that, but, um, sure. I, I will say, I, I agree with you. I'm very mm -hmm. fascinated anytime CM Punk speaks because I feel like he has a very unique point of view. Anytime he says something positive about someone, I remember specifically at the media scrum, he had mentioned Adam Cole being a sweetheart. I was like, Adam Cole must be a really nice guy. Well, he's, the, <laughs> he's the nicest guy. Like, yeah, I was like, nice. if that's coming, I was like, if CM Punk thinks that he's a sweetheart, then I will take that very seriously. I think that any, you know, any positive feedback that he has to say about anybody, um, I feel like is something to be taken to heart. Um, did he did he go too far at the media scrum? It was just a little bit weird because I felt like he was coming from this perspective of, you know, I don't want to talk about these previous issues. But when I went back and watched it, I was like, no one's really pressing you to talk about this. Like you're kind of talking about this on your own. It business. was it was all he came in there. With right. A so I, I, I thought that it was I feel like he jumped to an assumption based on who he was speaking to when he really wasn't being pressed for that information. So I, I just felt like it, watching it back, I was like, this is odd because we were streaming together the night that that 
happened. And so I was kind of getting bits and pieces of information in real time. I had to go back and watch it all myself afterwards. And when I watched it afterwards, I was kind of thinking, this doesn't quite make sense because I feel like nobody is trying to reel this troubling information out of him. I felt like he was very much volunteering it on his own. We have a couple more super chats. Reminder, guys, get them in. Uh, Shytown Spurs says, totally spitballing here. I'm worried about House of Black coming back uh, to the elite. Could hurt if they lose. A really good return feud could be best friends. Maybe have Malachi win the All-Atlantic. Uh, possibly. Uh, later on, we had uh, we had Orange Cassidy challenge Jake Hager to uh, an All-Atlantic match, which was amazing because they joked about the hat and Orange Cassidy was like, it is a cool hat. I thought that was a great touch. I I think that Malachi and and those guys playing a foil to best friends could be a really fun one as well. We, we've got to have some establishment in the trios, though. I agree. I also wanted to add really quickly to that segment. I like that later on when they advertised the um, All-Atlantic Championship match, that they actually had Jake Hager wearing that same hat. In the yes. Match. I thought yes. that that was a nice touch. That was <laughs> Shot Kid says, thinking on it, I love Death Triangle winning. I was concerned about rushing right into a house of black elite feud if the elite won outright. Now they can actually build to it, deliver more banger matches, and build the eventual Death Triangle split in this series. What AEW has done a really good job of, Shot Kid, is if there's an interim champion or if somebody is stripped of a title and somebody else wins a title and they're a placeholder, AEW has done a good job of saying, no, they're not really placeholders. In fact, they're just as good as the actual champions. Um, unfortunately, Nyla wasn't because she stole that championship from Jade. <laughs> uh, Jade came out in great Thundercats gear. Just great Thundercats she gear. She always looks like a star. I will She say. always looks like an actual superhero, like a she real does. action figure. I thought but, this is another one I have to give props to the AEW Glam Squad because the fact that they use body paint as part of her gear was very cool and very unique. And Nyla comes out with Vicky and Marina, and there's an Eddie Guerrero tribute. That was touching, as always. But I liked this match. It was, I think, what it needed to be. I mean, this was not going to be like a 20-minute match, but I liked what it was. Jade stealing Nyla's move, Nyla stealing Jade's move. There was the element of taking something from the other person that had prefaced this match that I think was lost on some people. And I thought that was a really, really nice touch because Jade is like, you took something of mine. I'm going to take something of yours and beat you with it. But it didn't get the job done. Eventually, Jade did get the job done. Um, I, I just, I think the baddies are a great addition. They have missed a little something without Stokely. I think that Stokely being added to them was was great. It gave them a voice that wasn't Jade's. Uh, but this was good. This was one of Jade's first big feuds. I know a lot of people didn't like the title-stealing aspect of this. I did because it finally let Nyla Rose step out from just being the native beast that we see that hits big moves and all that. And we got to see the personality of Nyla that any of us that, that have been around her have seen like, she is so funny. She's so charming. She's so entertaining. And that's, I, I'm glad that they did that to establish this. Ultimately, this feud was like number three, like as far as like attention given for the women. So I think that doing this for this feud worked out. And I thought the match was what it needed to be. 
two powerhouses going at it for eight minutes with Jade winning. I agree. I was a little bit worried at first when I saw the placement in the match chart card just because it was after the elite and death triangle because anything is going to have a hard time following that. And so I was a little bit worried because I feel like there were other stories that had been hyped up more that I was expecting more from. I was kind of like, Oh, is this the right placement in the card for this match? But in hindsight, I think it worked out. Okay. Because like you said, I feel like it was kind of just what it needed to be. And I feel like at following the elite and death triangle, it was so fast paced that I feel like the crowd just kind of needed something where we could kind of simmer down a little bit. And so I feel like this was kind of the right match for that. I also appreciated the fact that I feel like Jade has had so many squash matches with people. She's had so many matches where you don't really feel like her opponent has a legitimate chance against her. And I feel like the way that they built up this story and also just the fact that Nyla is someone who is more comparable to Jade just in her stature. Um, I felt like, okay, like these two women are going to have a legitimate wrestling match. And I felt like that's exactly what they did. Um, I felt like Jade, like we said, she always looks like a superstar. Um, I felt like Nyla held her own against her more so, I think, than anybody else that I've seen. I've been kind of in my mind battling this ongoing question of when is Jade going to lose and who the hell is she ever going to lose to? And I think that this match kind of pulls me closer to that actually being something that could realistically happen. Um, I liked that it wasn't just like a one and done and that there was actually more back and forth before she secured the victory. I also appreciated the fact that there were three women's matches on this card and the fact that I felt like each one, like every single one had pretty good story build up to it. Um, I feel like we've seen a lot of growth in the women's division these past couple of years. And I feel like there's still more growth that needs to happen. Just being that AEW is a newer company but I feel like this show is a testament to the progress that they have made. Brent says, what I loved about this feud is Nyla has jokes, but she's also a killing machine when she wants to be. And that showed tonight. Yes. There are a few things, Brent, that I dislike more than when somebody goes, Oh, they're supposed to be this intimidating person, but they're making jokes. Yeah. Daniel Cormier was one of the best fighters of all time. And he, danced in his underwear with chicken and ice cream like (laughs) biggie is so funny but he's also a tough son of a bitch like it's okay to have personality not everybody is going to be brock lesnar 02 or goldberg 98 it's not the way that everybody needs to be let people let their personality shine i'm completely with you brent and uh you know if you want to let your personality shine but you don't want people finding out a lot more about you nordvpn.com slash fightful oh my gosh i've got the old graphic no i don't four additional months free 30 day money back guarantee change your virtual location with just one click on the fastest vpn in the world you can get pay-per-views like the one tonight at a much more affordable rate with nordvpn.com slash fightful just change your virtual location get access to content in different areas 
and save. You're going to end up paying for the price of your Nord subscription with the savings. I got last weekend's UFC pay-per-view at a much more affordable rate. Next weekend, I'm going to be in Winston-Salem, but I'm going to be watching WWE pay-per-view on the WWE Network because I got that stuff through Canada. I miss that interface so much, and NordVPN.com slash Fightful allows me to get it, and it allows you to block online trackers, malware, and annoying pop-up ads. And it's going to help me when I'm on that hotel Wi-Fi, that airport Wi-Fi. You don't want to be unprotected on that stuff. You don't want anybody getting access to your private data. NordVPN.com slash Fightful works on all your devices, phone, laptop, desktop, PC, router, all that good stuff. See, Julie was about to show us all her stuff. Her camera roll was open. You don't know what was going to be on there, but she's going to get NordVPN.com slash Fightful to keep you creepos out of it. NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Man, a good show got uh, even better. Chris Jericho defeated Claudio, Sammy, and Brian Danielson. I knew this match was going to be a slapper. I just knew it. Uh, Brian Danielson is on top of his game. Chris Jericho is having the best in-ring year of his, uh, of, of man, one of his best in-ring career years ever. Uh, Claudio is unreal, and Sammy had an unreal performance on pay-per-view. Sometimes, because of the way that Sammy acts on TV as a heel or the things that Sammy says, or the stuff he gets into backstage, you forget how talented he is. And he had an amazing performance tonight. The finish tonight was amazing. And I loved this dynamic. You had a fatal four-way between two sets of partners, but some friction between all of them. But with Brian and Claudio, it's just business. They are a part of the Blackpool Combat Club, which has always valued winning over friendship. Regardless, that's how they are what they are. Now we don't know what the hell's going to become a Blackpool Combat Club. We'll talk about that later. But Sammy and Jericho went at it a couple times. Sammy hit the code breaker on Jericho. There was a lot of, of, of great little, I learned this from you type of aspects because Sammy's been with Jericho for the last three plus years, Julie. Uh, I thought this match was amazing. One of my favorite matches of the night. I completely agree. I think the thing that I was most intrigued about by this match, I mean, every single guy you have in there, I mean, Danielson and Claudio, I just think are both complete technicians. And like you said, Sammy, despite, <laughs> you know, his his exuberant personality that he has, he is very, he's very special. He, he's fearless when it comes to a lot of the things that he's done in the ring. And in some of the sort of special stipulation matches that he's done, some of the cinematic matches that he's done, um, sometimes I almost forget the repertoire that he's built up these past couple of years with Stadium Stampede and the match that he did at the Hardy Compound. He is someone who has put his body on the line in absolutely insane ways for our entertainment. Um, and Jericho, too. I The reason that Jericho is one of my all-time favorites is the fact that he constantly 
reinvents himself throughout the duration of his career, and he always does it in a way that's brilliant. So you have four guys right off the bat that bring everything to the table. The thing that I was most intrigued by was the fact that you have the two sets of, of partners. And I think when you see, like you said, the interaction between Claudio and um, Brian Danielson, you see that they kind of make that contact and they're kind of like, okay, like we're on the same team, but business is business and we're going to do what we have to do. Um, but with Jericho and Sammy, it's this different, um, this different dynamic of, you know, Jericho thinks that Sammy is safe to have in the match with him because he thinks that Sammy's going to quote unquote do the right thing. But Sammy's not about to lay down and die for anybody. So I think that that was the most interesting thing for me. I kind of had a feeling that Jericho is probably going to retain because I don't know that anybody else really needed the the win, the title win at the moment. And I think that he is, is doing well with it right now, having the title and also doing everything that he's doing with the Jericho Appreciation Society. And so I was most curious to kind of see what seeds this planted between him and Sammy and then how they're going to let that unfold in the upcoming weeks, how that's going to impact the Jericho Appreciation Society long term. Is this going to be their demise? Is this going to lead to potentially another pay-per-view match down the road? Um, So I think that this was good in terms of planting those seeds. And I think at this point, it's still really early to really tell what exactly they're planning on doing with that. But I think that this was the start of something potentially. We've got uh, some scrum notes. By the way, Jericho is challenged by uh, Tomohiro Ishii for Dynamite. That is incredible. Can't wait for that. Uh, but we've got some notes. Tony Khan uh, says, I believe it's to, to Nick Hausman, that he did not get asked by CM Punk to kick Colt Ben out of the locker room. That didn't happen. Said that uh, just booking Colt against working Jericho was a Jericho idea, and he thought it was a logical, logical one. Uh, we've got some more notes from the scrum as well, especially with uh, Soraya momentarily. But he's... Uh, having conversations with new Japan about AEW guys appearing at wrestle kingdom. He's optimistic. They'll have some presence, but the top stars will need to stay state side. So, I mean, maybe that, that rules out elite and young bucks, but I mean, I mean, FTR are going to be there. They weren't on the show tonight. There's all kinds of people that won't need to be on that specific episode of dynamite, I think, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Tony also confirms the elite have resumed their roles as EVPs. Uh, Jack uh, Perry says that uh, he's not going to be Jungle Boy full on anymore. He said that while he wasn't necessarily comfortable initially with Jim Ross calling him Jack Perry because he wanted to keep his private life uh, sort of away, he wasn't going to go up to Jim Ross of all people and be like, hey, don't call me that, bud. And it ended up helping out an awful lot. Um, But yeah, we've got plenty of notes coming from this scrum but man, uh, just what a, what a wild night. Right, Gillian sends a super chat. Make sure you get in your super chats or humper chats if you want your question or statement read on the air. That's how you get it done. Humperchats.com or here on YouTube. And he says, hey guys, I can't emphasize how much 
I was relieved to see no new debuts tonight. Those surprises are always nice, but AEW has a wealth of riches, and I'm glad they focused on who they currently have. There's so much to build around. K, love you guys. Bye. Well, me too. Instead, I mean, you got the in-ring debut of Soraya. You got the in-ring return of the Elite. You've got TNT title change, women's title change, world title change. I think that's enough. One of those was Soraya, who says that she's going to be doing more character work in the coming weeks and months, but she's just happy to be back in the ring. She's going to be doing heat, electric, pressure point therapy every time she's at TV. And she kind of stepped out of character at the scrum and said that Britt helped her a lot, said that she's a star, and that Britt carried her through the whole experience, including the promos. Well, um, this match I also think is what it needed to be, but I think that Britt Baker did carry Soraya through this. And I don't think there's any shame in that because Soraya has not wrestled in five years. And even though it looks like five years on the surface, Julie, she was back for a month. It's really been six and a half years since she has been in the regular groove of wrestling. And Dr. Britt Baker is doing all this while being a dentist. She's cutting these promos. She's she's making Paige or Soraya step up from doing the oh, your name rhymes with shit type of stuff that worked in, didn't work in WWE, but it's the stuff that was written for her in WWE and making her go the other route, pushing her further and further. Now, this match wasn't like, it, it ain't the Elite and Lucha Brothers and Pack. This was a cerebral match where Dr. Britt Baker DMD repeatedly worked over the injured neck of Soraya. And Soraya would play the hits. She did uh, what is now, I think it's called the, the nightcap. It was the page turner, and she ended up hitting a couple rampages to win this. This was largely Dr. Britt Baker DMD leading, and I think that's a good thing because Dr. Britt Baker's whole career has pretty much taken place in the time that Soraya has been gone. Like, I, I think it's almost exclusively uh, for the most part. And you had Jim Ross on commentary being like, Oh, well, Soraya is a, is a 16-year veteran. And I'm like, no, not really. She's not. Because she didn't wrestle for six and a half of those years. So she's like a decade in, but she ain't wrestled at all lately. So I think that having Britt Baker lead this match was the right move. For some people, they're not going to like the pace. For some people, they're going to say, oh, that's sloppy. Soraya's going to have some ring rust. I got no problem with that whatsoever. This is not Sting doing a tag match and jumping off some wild shit <laughs> while he's got other people to help him out. Soraya is having her first match in five years. I thought this was good for what it needed to be. I would not have hated Britt Baker winning, though. I think that there would have been a really good story to be told in that, no, actually, Soraya was wrong. Britt Baker is a star. She is everything that she says. And now Soraya has something else to rebuild on. She talked about all that she had overcome, her drug addiction, her abusive relationship, her injuries, some, some mental issues. This is another thing for her to overcome. I would have loved for that to, to like lead to something on Wednesday where she's like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. And then maybe she gets somebody a little bit more or on her side that's like, no, not only should you do this, you should do this because you're the reason I'm doing this type of thing. Uh, I, I want to know your feelings on the match, how it went, how you thought Soraya looked. 
So I will say, I mean, I completely agree with everything that you said about the fact that she really hasn't wrestled in six and a half years. It's very much to be expected that she's going to have a little bit of ring rust. But I have to say for somebody that had a little bit of ring rust, I got the feeling when I was watching her. It's one of those things where it's like, riding a bike and you never forget how to ride a bike. I feel like I got that vibe from her when I was watching the match. Like she was a little rusty. It was a slower paced match in some ways, but I got that feeling anytime she got offense in, I was like, okay, she remembers how to do this. She knows what she's doing. Um, she, she still gave off to me that experience vibe despite not having been in the ring for some amount of time. Um, that being said, I mean, Britt definitely carried most of the match. And I think that being considered and just considering the momentum that she's had these past couple of years in AEW, I could see what you're saying about how I could, I could see her getting the win making sense. I liked that Soraya got the win just because it was a feel-good moment. And I think the fact that the Elite didn't get their win on their comeback, I was like, okay, at least someone's getting their comeback win. So I was happy about that. I loved seeing Zach Zodiac in the audience. And I really yeah. loved the way that Britt Baker um, played up to him, the way she was, like, blowing kisses at him. And she's going, bye, brother. I thought that her character work on that level was really fun. Her character work has just come so far these past couple of years, her as a heel, having not really worked a heel, being a heel on the indies prior to coming to AEW, I think she's come a really long way. I thought that both of these women looked phenomenal. I love, um, like I mentioned, the growth of the women's division, seeing two people in the, the ring that look like they're meant to be stars. Um, but I, all in all, you know, I had high hopes for Soraya's comeback, I really wanted to see her look good because you just know how much this match must have meant to her. Of course. And, and I think that, all things considered, I thought she looked pretty good. I mean, was, was it super fast? Was it, you know, like there was no ring rust at all? No, but I thought, all things considered, I thought it was pretty decent. I thought she did a pretty decent job, and I thought that you know, the more she does this over the course of, you know, the next several months, the more she'll probably get back into the swing of things. But for someone that hasn't done this in six and a half years, I thought she looked pretty good. And and I got the the vibe as she, you know, delivered different moves. It was it wasn't it wasn't really like a painful to watch sort of thing. It was kind of like it just came right right back to her. So I really appreciated this match for what it was. I did too. I did too. Um, Soraya said that she's been training at Santino Brothers. Jungle Boy offered to you offered his ring to use or for her to train in, which she didn't get to use, but said that she will in the future. Uh, Tony Khan also said that Kansas was very cool about using Wayward Sons and licensing it. He won't commit to whether or not that uh, it's going to be used in the future but uh he was asked about roh tv he said he's considered considered giving them a youtube show instead of putting them so much on aw tv 
but he says that it's a very valuable property as well. Shout out to John Alba, who is doing a great job covering this scrum. Greatly appreciate it. Um, but yeah, uh, we got Samoa Joe winning the Sirloin Beef Sons of Bitches battle against Wardlow and Hobbs. I, I often forget that Wardlow is capable physically of the things that he does in the ring. And I thought this was going to be Hobbs winning. I thought Hobbs was going to win and he would lead into what is two and a half months from now in his home area, which is, uh, it feels like so much longer, but AEW Revolution, which has been announced for March 5th. And that feels like way longer than two and a half months because we're in November and that's going to be, okay, it's three and a half months. So we're going to end up going to that. Still feels longer than that, but I thought that's the direction it was going to go. I loved how Wardlow was effectively playing like the cruiserweight of these three guys. And it, it went really well with me. Samoa Joe gets the win after Wardlow power bombs Hobbs repeatedly. And they said like Joe choked him out. Joe choked Hobbs out. He didn't really Hobbs was already out. And what happened is the ref was like, well, I'm not going to let an already unconscious guy sit here in a chokehold. That's dangerous. He could die. So he called for the bell, which is wise. But Joe had cracked Wardlow with the belt, which is completely legal in this match. This was fun. This flew by. Absolutely flew by. And this was a match I was really looking forward to. And it, it went the way that I thought it should. This was like, this felt like it was five or six minutes. I couldn't believe that it was just a smidge under 10. But Joe winning makes him a double champion. It makes you wonder, is the Wardlow-Samoa Joe singles match going to be at final battle? Because that's coming up very soon. Brent Lockman says, the review is just meat. <laughs> that's what it was, Julie. It was just meat bump, bumping up against each other. How'd you feel? I agree with you. I felt like this match flew by, but I was okay with that just because I feel like there was so much stuff on the card that had a lot of excitement built up to it. I feel like this match and then also the Jade Nyla match were the two that I felt were kind of like good buffer matches for some of the others. And that's kind of saying a lot because even these, you know, both of these matches had stories leading up to them as well. I was a little bit surprised that Samoa Joe won. I felt like I didn't really have a strong sense of who they were going to keep um, as the winner of this one. I feel like they've hyped up Wardlow so much over these past several months. Um, I was almost expecting that he was going to retain, but I don't mind that he lost because I do feel like it sets up the singles match for him and Samoa Joe. And I feel like now he's gained enough popularity where the loss, number one, he didn't take, take the pinfall or submission. Um, but I feel like he's also gained enough popularity. We're now not being the champion. I feel like that doesn't really hurt him that much because everyone's so much on the ward low, the war daddy train right now. I'm on the war daddy train. Um, so <laughs> I don't feel like, I don't feel like it really hurt him to not retain. 
Um, I guess, you know, we do have the story between him and, and Samoa Joe that will, I don't know how far that's really going to take us. I don't know if that would, I don't think that would take us all the way to revolution. I don't think it's that deep of a story where it's going to take us quite that far into the future, but it'll probably take us to maybe one of the special events in upcoming weeks. Um, and then I feel like they could set Wardlow up for something bigger after that. I mean, maybe at some point they could set him back up with MJF and they could kind of re revisit that. Um, I was kind of just surprised in some ways because I didn't really have a lot of strong feelings about who I thought was, was going to win. I was a little surprised that they put a second belt on Samoa Joe, but it, I think yeah. it worked. I think it worked. Um, and I think the match was kind of what it needed, again, what it needed to be just in comparison to everything else that they had going on in the match card. I mean, something's got to give somewhere. I felt like having this be a little bit faster was okay because there was just so much other content. Reminder, guys, get in your super chats, get in your humper chats. That's how you get your questions, your statements read on the air. Uh, we are a largely super driven or super chat driven show. So uh, do it. Give us money. We'll talk about the stuff that you like. We'll talk about the stuff that you hate. Maybe we'll agree with you. Maybe we'll bury something. You never know. You never know. Uh, we've got uh, the next match set up. Darby and Sting against Jarrett and Lethal. We Before that, we have a super chat from Michael Keyes. He says, oh, no, Punk went off. Wait, wrong month. I, <laughs> I was guys, like, oh, my goodness. Full disclosure. Like, I hate to use the term PTSD because I don't think that's that's fair for what I do. I cover wrestling. But ahead of All Out, I was like, man, I am not looking forward to covering that show because I was like, the MJF thing happened and it was a nightmare to cover and a nightmare to decipher what's real, what's not real, when did it become a work, etc. And I was like, well, it can't get any worse than that. And then as we were on the air, CM Punk goes off. And then while we're on the air, and I had told Julie at the time, let's keep it to 90 minutes. About an hour in, Julie realized we're probably going two, two and a half. And she was covering for me that whole time. It couldn't possibly get any worse than last time. <laughs> so today is a breeze in comparison, but uh, Darby and Sting defeated Jarrett and Lethal, although Satnam Singh was heavily involved in this match. For as bad as Satnam Singh's debut was, he has been very good in the role in which they have placed him. And that includes one of the most goddamnedest spots I have ever seen in my <laughs> life in this no DQ match. There's a ladder on the stage. Satnam is beside the, the stage. Darby does a coffin drop off the ladder and Satnam just catches him. That was, oh man, this whole match. I thought this whole match in general was just so much fun. First of all, I have to say Jeff Jarrett and Sting for, for their age, both of those guys just look absolutely phenomenal. Oh my goodness. Um, I loved that spot that you just mentioned um, where Satin caught Darby and then carried this, him all the way back over. This, this guy is not Kurgan. He is not Giant Gonzalez. He is not Giant Silva. He is not the great Kali in the ring or, or physically. <laughs> He is capable of things that those guys aren't. Now, Kali was a runaway success for WWE, whether people want to admit it or not. And that's what 
AEW is hoping with Satnam. And I think that Satnam gets it more than a lot of those prototypical giants. And I think that he is moving along very well. And if they just have him do that and occasionally squash somebody, but do these, these good spots, you accentuate the positives, hide the negatives. And that's what you want to do more and more and more of. Um, and I was very happy to see that. I'm also always happy to see Sting. I will never take watching him for granted. Um, just he does the dives. He did one of the most incredible double team moves I've ever seen. The coffin death drop. Yes. Where he does the scorpion death drop on Satnam. Darby does the coffin drop. The, incredible. The lethal injection into the death drop wasn't great. But also, I want to give Jeff Jarrett his flowers. Everybody was burying Jeff Jarrett. Everybody was like, oh, what? What good's he going to do? I'll tell you what good he's going to do. He's going to do exactly as good as he did in 1993. And I've mentioned this on the air before and on Twitter. The Some of the best wrestling advice I ever got was from Christopher Daniels, who said, I don't do things in minute three that I can't also do in minute 30. And as a result, you can find exactly one botch of Christopher Daniels, like maybe ever. Jeff Jarrett didn't do anything in 1989 that he still couldn't do today, Julie. Everything that he's always been able to do, he can still do. And I thought that he he showed up in great shape, in much better shape than we've seen him in like past years. He looked incredible, and he wasn't going to win this match. It wasn't going to be him, but he was effective, and he was, you know, he ate the L to Darby and Sting, but... I, I had a I had a lot of fun watching this match. I had a lot of fun too. I mean, I I'm pretty sure when I was watching this match, we googled. I was like, "How old is Jeff Jarrett? He's 55 years old. He looks phenomenal. Looks great. Someone who's fit. I mean, he looks like 10, I, at least 10 years younger than 55. Holy cow! He looked phenomenal. I always love Sting and Darby together. The fact that Sting just does these ridiculous spots. Um, I appreciate that the guys that caught him, you know, from the dive, they did a really good job of, yeah. of cushioning him considering like where he was placed in the arena. Um, cause I mean, that, that, that's also, also uh, sorry to interrupt, but okay. it's worth noting like Jeff Jarrett, it looked like he was done. He was finally retired. It looked like after uh, April of 2019, he had that, that rumble thing and the spot with Elias. And he did a couple things for AAA. but it looked like he was done until the GCW run this year. And now he's, he's doing the, the thing with Jeff J- or Jay lethal against Ric Flair. And he did the match with Effie, but it looked like finally he had wrapped up his career and he's back looking a- as good as a, a lot of other people. I was going to say, I'm glad that he didn't wrap up his career because I think he's still got more in the tank. I mean, I think um, it he and Jay Lethal, I like the way that they team together. And I, and I like the way that Darby and Sting team together in the sense that I feel like the younger counterparts do a lot of the, the heavy lifting and they kind of, they don't push anybody to do things that are going to expose their age. I think that, you know, Sting does, he has just enough cool spots in the match where you have that, 
you know, that feeling of, oh my God, it's 2022 and, and Sting's on my TV and Jeff Jarrett's on my TV and they're in the ring together, but they don't let them do too much where it pushes them over the edge of sort of expending what they still have in the tank. Um, I thought that we, we had those really cool spots that you had mentioned, the um, coffin drop into the scorpion death drop. We had the the um, lethal injection into the scorpion death drop, which we had a little bit of a botch there, but I still appreciated yeah. the move for, for what it was. I think that they handled that as, as well as they could have. Um, Jeff Jarrett, I wonder how many guitars this man goes through in uh, one year. <laughs> he had agreed. I, I, I bought a, a guitar from the TNA shop a few years ago because they were on sale for like 25 bucks. Like it would have been irresponsible good. to not get one. Yeah. And uh, one, of, one of my cats like ran into it and broke it. So I got him to agree and we haven't done it yet, but he's going to smash the guitar and he's going to sign the pieces and we're going to like auction the pieces off for charity or something. That's awesome. That, we had agreed to that years ago. Hopefully we can still make it happen. Maybe in January when AEW is around, I would love to, but, but we'll see. But I had so much fun watching this. I could watch Sting wrestle forever. The first three guys that I saw in a wrestling ring, Ric Flair, Great Muda, and Sting. Ric Flair just wrapped up his career, I fucking hope, and doesn't have a match again. <laughs> Great Muda is wrapping his up in a couple months. I will not take watching Sting for granted. Um, it's funny. Two other things that I wanted to mention. Number one, I really liked what they did um, with the entrance, with the body bag, it kind of gave you a moment of wondering what was going to happen. I like that they, and I like that they did the little spot with Sting appearing in the ring behind Jeff Jarrett. I thought that that was fun. Um, I also wanted to know, I know Sting has wrestled a lot of his recent matches wearing a shirt. And it's funny because I have so many people that are, that are going, take the shirt off. I've never seen so many people want to see an an older man wearing a singlet before but <laughs> um I, there's a lot of people that have that sort of um that uh what's nostalgia they have the the nostalgia thing for sting and i just love anytime i get to see him on my tv and relive that nostalgia and see that he still looks really good he looks really good for his age he really yeah. does and and um, I love the the pairing of him and, and Darby together as well, just because I've mentioned in some of the previous podcasts, I like that AEW uses the star power of their veterans to boost the younger guys. But I love that they're actually really bonded in, in real life as well and that they they ride together and that it's not just an act for TV, that there's something real beneath all of that. I really appreciate the authenticity. Christian Perez says, if I'm in Chicago this Wednesday and we get an FCM Punk chant, there's truly no loyalty in this business. I mean, you know, that would be that would be surreal. That would be surreal. Uh, guys, get in your Super Chats. Get in your Humber Chats. We are heading to the world title matches. But before we head into those, here's a word from our sponsor, Miracle. Try Miracle.com slash Fightful. What is that? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Gets you off those dirty sheets. Not... Not us, not Fightful, but those dirty sheets that you're sleeping on with all that bacteria. Miracle brand protects and prevents up to 99% of bacteria, requires three times less laundry. They've got those silver-infused fabrics originally developed by NASA that keep your sheets feeling good. 
They got 500 thread count sateen weaves. That's got some of the best cotton in the world. It's better for your skin. Help avoid uh, stuffy noses, allergies, acne. A lot of those things that those bacteria on your sheets will help uh, cause. And you don't want that. TryMiracle.com slash Fightful. Get a free three-piece towel set and save 40%. That's TryMiracle.com slash Fightful. And use that code Fightful. Jamie Hayter is the new interim women's champion. It is so totally her time. Jacob McRae says, shout out to Hater Storm. They kept Storm strong, but gave Jamie what she needed and deserved. This show ruled. And Christopher Hart says, was there live? Hater was over. Saw some AEW wrestlers on the side of the curtain cheering on Hater as she won. I was actually told that. They're, they're, I, I wouldn't say curtain sellout. But people could see AEW wrestlers physically watching this match. It's Jamie Hayter's time. I think that Tony Storm has been an incredible interim champion, and she has truly risen herself to to the top. For so long in AEW, the people that were brought in or ascended to that level were given the always the bridesmaid, never the bride type of thing. Like we saw that with Ruby, we saw that with with Jamie, we saw that with Tony. And then Thunder Rosa gets the title, and a lot of the title stuff is put on the back burner. She gets hurt. And the title gets cooking. Jamie Hayter gets over big time. Tony Storm gets over big time. You've got Britt Baker moving out of that title scene and bringing back a household name in Soraya. Meanwhile, Nyla, who has also been in that, not not the always the bridesmaid, she's a former world champion, putting over another champion. So right now, you've got so many pieces that are, are being pushed in top-level feuds. And you got the actual champ, Thunder Rosa, who isn't even back yet. Who knows how things are going to go then? I love the way this match went. Tony Storm gets busted open, and it added a lot. Even though it wasn't intentional, it added so much. We had the short pile drivers. Then it went into what could be considered some overbooked territory. But Jamie Hayter didn't really need Brit and Rebel until the very end, that turnbuckle being exposed is what did it. And Jamie Hayter gets the win. I'm so happy for Jamie. I'm so happy for Tony because a lot of baby faces would get shook, Julie. A lot of them would be like, well, damn, they're cheering for my my heel opponent. What does this mean for me? No, we still like you, Tony. You're still awesome. You're great in the ring. You're mega charismatic. You are a star. And the audience, they like her. They just like Jamie a little bit more. And that's okay, because Tony's going to get cheered this Wednesday. I thought this was was wonderful. I, I've got question marks about Britt. I don't know what's going to happen. We're getting the old thumbs up, thumbs down from her this week with, with Rebel carrying Jamie around on her shoulders. How's it going to work out? I, I can't wait to hear what you think of this. Uh, I absolutely adored this match for a number of reasons. Number one, I liked that there was a real backstory between uh, Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter. The fact that they were roommates during the pandemic, they were best friends. I like that that was something that was brought up regularly um, because I feel like sometimes there's these stories that happen in other places prior to um, the superstars being in AEW. And we don't really 
we don't really get the full backstory on AEW TV. So it's like, unless you have been following these people for years, you don't really know the backstory and you don't fully then get the significance of the match. I like that they talked about it week after week on TV so that even though we didn't see those times between Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm, it was emphasized to us enough where we understood what their previous relationship was. Um, The other thing that made me really happy was I feel like with AEW being a newer company, um, we've seen a lot of growth in the women's division these past couple of years. We've had a lot of people asking for more growth in the women's division. And I feel like this was a match that really delivered. And when I was watching, I was saying out loud, I was like, okay, this is the type of women's wrestling that I have been wanting to see in AEW. This this is the caliber of, of what I've been wanting to see. This is finally setting the bar for what I hope is to, to come in the future. And I agree with you. When I first saw Rebel make an appearance ringside, I was a little bit like turned off because they were having such a good match anyways up until that point that I was like, does she really need the help in order to win? Um, but then as it unfolded and Britt came out too, I felt like the help was minimal enough where it didn't downplay Jamie's abilities. And um, there were, you know, moments where it kind of got into that overbooked territory of like near fall after near fall after near fall. But I think ultimately, you know, there was that exposed turnbuckle that helped Jamie with the win. But I feel like it wasn't enough interference that undermined what she had already done on her own. And I actually thought it was very interesting to see the way that Britt reacted at the end of the match. Um, I liked that everyone was kind of happy for Jamie and let her have her moment because I feel like this moment was a little bit overdue. I know everybody had really been vying to see this at All Out and now we're finally getting it. So I'm glad that they let her have her moment and that if there is some drama that starts to unfold between Jamie and Britt, that can kind of happen over the course of the next several weeks. I think that there's a lot that you can do now with Jamie. As there's a lot of fresh well, matchups that I would like to see. And then, well, yeah. Like what's up with Thunder Rosa? Will Soraya get an opportunity? I would love to see it. And when Ruby Soho, whenever she's back in, in the picture as well, I, you had mentioned her as being someone that we've discussed in the past as being kind of, always a bridesmaid never a bride i want to see i want to see ruby soho and jamie Hayter and athena athena is emerging as a heel now so many people that i think you could put in there with her that would put on great matches and potentially great stories as well so i mean kudos to these two women i think you know tony storm getting busted open that wasn't an intentional blading moment but it did add something to the match the the combination between her bloody nose and the red lipstick was just like for me <laughs> i uh, i liked the the raw the realness of that and i think you just had two women in there who were total technicians tonight and i was just so happy to see it because i feel like this set the precedent for the women's division in AEW. 
We got a great super chat from Rory Bison says, normally I send him my money for MJF, but tonight is all about our queen and new AEW champion, Jamie Hayter. Awesome match despite the extra stuff. Just shows how much we love her. Rory, I thought it was a great performance from her. I thought it was the right place, uh, the right time, all that stuff. Jamie Hayter said that she'd love to wrestle Britt Baker. She thinks friendship makes for good competition as well. Tony Khan reiterated that he is evaluating the interim women's title situation and giving Rose every chance he can to have her come back. And I mean, that thing is, I think that whenever Rosa comes back, maybe Jamie Hayter's stance on wanting to work with Rosa has changed. But I can tell you that she was not thrilled with Thunder Rosa and and how their, their match went down. Absolutely not. I'd be thrilled with you guys if you would leave us a thumbs up as opposed to a thumb down. Also, subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. This week is an absolutely loaded weekend. We had an ongoing scoops thread, like about who was helping out uh, produce some of the women's matches tonight, uh, who was backstage at the show, uh, House of Black was there, Marco Stunt was there, uh, being the Elite News, Kansas News, AW Video Game News, all kinds of stuff. Uh, we had updates on Bowen throughout the weekend and, and him working his injury, some other celebrities that were set to be there. Uh, but also, uh, we had a full gear pre-show. We do those for every major pay-per-view. We had names of people who were in town. We had SmackDown plans last night. We had all kinds of stuff. Tomorrow's the return, special return of Figure Hall. Right now, Alex is doing a Sour Graps review. All this for just five bucks a month. Five heckin' bucks a month. Multiple times a day, not just once a day you get exclusive news uh, that comes there first, but uh, multiple times a day you get an average of one podcast a day as well. So tons of stuff for your five bucks. I do a Q&A there every week. Grapsley's going to do one there this week. Best $5 in the business. I promise you, you won't regret it if you just check it out. And I have some people say, who would pay for wrestling news? I get it. Some of you aren't conditioned to doing that, but it's a lot more than that. It's interacting with our community, checking out our great podcast. You get this stuff sent directly to your email, to your phone. You're not getting it second, third, fourth hand, uh, which I often have to message those people and correct. FightfulSelect.com. But we do have Swerve's cousin up in the dirt sheets, as Max Caster said. Uh, Will Washington, who is Swerve's cousin, was streaming the scrum for us. And he was the subject of a line in their rap video this past week. And uh, Max Caster, when asked about that, said, oh, well, we don't plant stories in the media about how cool we are. I can tell you I've never experienced that with Swerve, and I've spoken with him. Uh, if anything, he'll try to throw us off the scent of whatever we're on to, but I did a really nice story on Anthony Bowens like three and a half years ago. Uh, but I do think that was a funny line. It was good to see Will address it and take it well as well. But Swerve and Our Glory look like they're they're headed towards Splitsville, Julie. Uh, I was told this was the beginning of that. And I was told that it was likely going to happen. I thought more was going to happen. The acclaimed really play the baby face in peril. Uh, there was a cool guardrail spot. They end up getting the win because Keith Lee won't do what Ray Phoenix did earlier in the night and be an asshole. Jacob McCray says, my God, this match humped. Bowens is a star. I am constantly glad to see Bowens stepping out 
and getting the spotlight, Julie, because for a while it looked like it'd be Max Caster. Now Bowens is the mega over one among the two. I love the way this played out. I cannot wait for a swerve Keith Lee feud. Keith Lee is looking better physically than he has in a long time. Swerve makes things that aren't easy look very easy, and the acclaimed are white hot, so they needed to win. I agree with you. I think, for me, this was a no-brainer that this needed to be an acclaimed win. My two complaints that I have, and this is, I've been I've been loving this entire show, so I have very, very few complaints about it, I would have to say. I will say, though, I think by the time we got to this match, I think you could start to tell that the crowd was a little bit tired. And I think that the lack of daddy ass, Billy Gunn, <laughs> may have contributed. I think that regardless, it was such a long show that I think at a certain point in the card, the crowd is going to inevitably start to show some some signs of wear and tear i was just i was just sad that we didn't have billy gunn at ringside i know he made his his little cameo appearance during the match but i think having his for me having his presence there i absolutely love the acclaimed but having his presence is just like the little icing on the cake i could have used more billy gunn um i absolutely love what swerve in our glory has done these past couple of months um we were actually having a discussion here as we were watching the show how how good swerve is and how amazing his facials are his reactions to everything um, he's one of those people that looking back on his release from WWE, I am just dumbfounded as to how you release somebody like that. But I can't, I couldn't luckily, believe it. <laughs> luckily for AEW, I think that they've been able to capitalize on that. The other complaint that I had, aside from just like the crowd fatigue sort of showing a little bit in this match, was. And and I, I wanna I do want to highlight that before we move on. In Simmons sure. says crowd was tired by this time, but I really enjoyed being Keith Lee being the one to turn on Swerve and not the predictable route. Crowd was a little cooked by this point. Yeah. A little fatigued. The other thing, I like that we are getting the friction between Swerve and Keith Lee. I think we all knew that this was gonna happen. It was a matter of when, not if. The only thing that I disliked, I feel like you could have planted the seeds for it. Like you could have had the disagreement during the match without Lee leaving completely. Because I think when he leaves completely, it sort of gets you questioning, well, yeah, he's got beef with his partner, but are you going to leave a championship match on pay-per-view? Like, are you... Would you rather win the match and kind of be at odds with, with your partner and at least be the champion? That was the one logistical element of it that I didn't love. I mean, I think regardless, it the, the friction between them was going to happen. Um, I just wish that maybe they had planted the seed without him abandoning ship completely. Because at that point, I'm like, well, don't you at least want to win the championship? Fair point. Fair point. In Simmons, uh, actually, we just read that one. But uh, man, this 
I, I think the right person won, the right duo won, and I can't wait to see Lee and Swerve because it's it's a feud where somebody is going to get get kicked into the stratosphere, and I think it's going to be Swerve. I think Swerve is is headed towards the top. I think he's going to be a crossover star. I think he's going to be really really good in this role, and I think that that this is the turn that he's wanting that that, that will send him there. And him like that that just evil smile that he has. Oh yeah, his facials are just so on point. And I mean, he looks like a star. Um, he the way that he he sells things, his quickness in the ring, his agility. I he is a win for AEW for me. He's a, a gold gold star signing. Gabriel says. Keith doing what he did was perfect. What will follow will be great. Slap that smug look off his face and thank Sean. The past three years you've distracted me. Help me hold my shit together. My God, guys, you guys have helped me hold my shit together for the last six plus, and hopefully it doesn't end anytime soon. I'm signed through 2030, so I'm here for a while. Woo-hoo! So uh, let's hang out every night and talk about wrestling. But Gabriel, I agree. Like that that smile, the facial that, that Julie was talking about. Like you want to see him get that come up, and you want to see like Keith Lee just wring his neck. You just want to see it happen. Oh, it was so good, and it's gonna be good. And I can't wait to see the in ring chemistry that these guys have as well. Well, I know one thing: you can have better body chemistry with athleticgreens.com slash fightful. Look at this. Here we go. Look at look at this. One year free supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. I take those with me. Uh, the little individual packets whenever I'm on the road. It helps out so much. And you might say, oh, well, gee golly, Sean, what, what does this do? Well, you want to drink your multivitamin. You don't want to be taking a tablet. That stuff will just stick in your body and, and just pass right through without you absorbing what you really need. What you really need is 75 vitamins, mineral, whole food sourced ingredients that have a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more in one convenient daily serving. That special blend of high quality bioavailable ingredients and one scoop of AG1 fill those nutritional gaps and replace a bunch of products and pills with one healthy, delicious drink. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, got less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals. They have changed this formula over 50 times in the last decade. So once every few months, they adapt with science and athleticgreens.com slash Fightful gives you those dairy-free probiotics, the vitamins, the minerals, the adaptogens, the antioxidants. You want to drink this stuff first thing in the morning, get it in your body. You are good to go. It's helped my energy levels. I've mentioned on the air that I've, I've cut my caffeine intake uh, in half. And it is, I would say, strictly because of athleticgreens.com slash Fightful. Very, very happy with how it makes me feel. Reminder, guys, if after this show, you haven't had enough, if you, you just want to keep going, Alex has sour graps going on right now on FightfulSelect.com. So you can tune in and check out his show as well. Uh, He is a little more critical than we are. Uh, He is a little more sour than we are, but... 
I have to give really, really quick shout out though. I've been watching Alex and Kate's post show for NXT. Sorry to hear that. (laughs) I have, I absolutely, if you do not watch Sour Graphs on Tuesdays, you need to start because they are like the main reason that I'm following NXT right now. (laughs) Their, Their analysis of that show is absolutely so entertaining if you don't watch them on tuesdays i highly highly recommend it so entertaining great analysis with also being extremely entertaining and giving great impressions um they've if there's anything that i've learned from them i need to start getting better at impressions oh my god (laughs) if it gets a super chats they do whatever october november december are like down months for super chats so (laughs) whatever gets us the super chats sure but uh i ain't doing impressions on here but uh at the press conference tony khan said he's been in touch with both adam cole and adam uh adam page hangman page they're hoping to have them back soon uh you can see hangman page next weekend at WrestleCade, I'll be there, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Fightful will have a table set up because we're doing some interviews over there. So come check it out. Come say hi to us. We would love to meet you. But MJF met his destiny tonight thanks to William Regal. This was, when I say predictable isn't bad if it's good, this is what I mean. And um, I had thought, from the moment I got to see that now iconic promo with Regal and MJF, that MJF would tease using the dynamite diamond ring and instead Regal would toss him the knucks. And that is exactly what happened. Van Twinblade says, Uncle Billy, why? Tony says, hopefully the story will be Regal rewarding MJF not using the ring and acting like a true villain. Kylie says, I absolutely love the main event. Mox being a heel and Max the face. The regal turn was just great stuff. If you wondered if this was like a switcheroo, a double turn, something, MJF was in full asshole heel mode at the presser. That doesn't matter, Julie. People are still going to cheer him. People are still going to love him. I thought at one point we might see like Mox go heelish, and he kind of did during the match. And, you know, we were wondering, okay, is the firm going to get back involved in this? What's going to happen? No, it's just Regal, and I think that's good. I think if the firm was involved, it would have been overbooked. And I like I like a lot of the, the, the parts of the firm, but the sum and what it was, I don't know if that was the original plan. I don't know if there was some adjustment in the last couple of months. But what we saw, I think, from a creative standpoint, was great. We saw MJF baby facing the crowd. He motorboated a woman <laughs> who I, I oh God, who, I, I know I, that woman. <laughs> I know that woman. I've talked to her about it since it <laughs> happened. Uh, she said that people were coming up and telling her she must be good luck. Uh, but, <laughs> and, and for those of you who wondered, she did provide consent. So that that's all good. But uh, shout out, shout out to friend of the show who I'm not, I'm not going to say her name because I don't want creepos hunting her down, <laughs> but MJF sold like a baby face through this. Was this the ending you expected? 
For me personally, it was not the ending. I was expecting there to be some sort of shenanigans at some point. Um, when you mentioned the firm, we were kind of talking predictions here as we were watching the show. And I was kind of wondering if there was going to be some further firm involvement following their attack on MJF, if maybe like that had been a ruse of some sort and that they were still associated in some way. I didn't foresee the regal turning um, and, and tossing him the brass knucks. I thought that that was a, such a creative genius way of ending the match. And I also, I have to agree with what you said. I think at this point, MJF can do whatever he wants. I mean, I think if he wants to go full out heel like we know him um in the past or if he wants to kind of play on the baby face thing like he did in his entrance tonight which i thought was absolutely hilarious yes. when he goes back uh backstage and re-enters as like this hyped up baby face and you know him going up to to people in the crowd and just being so over the top i think he can just do whatever he that's wants. one way of putting it that's one yeah I, I think he can just do whatever he wants at this point and honestly no matter what he does the audience is gonna love to hate him it's just i and i i love that he's em embracing that and he's having fun with it and he's kind of playing up this like fake baby face thing because i think he's just on that level where no matter if no matter what he does, if he wants to turn and he wants to, you know, go back to being a, a full on heel, it really doesn't matter because we all still love him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought um, this match was very interesting. We were actually chatting here about the fact um, and I don't know if other people thought about this at all or picked up on this at all. I believe it's the 25 year anniversary of the Montreal screw job. And so we thought that there may have been some subtle references to that. I know um, something that was mentioned was Moxley's gear. It was a little bit different than the what he normally wears and we were talking about the skull that he had on his gear um and also just like the ending of the match the regal tossing him the brass knucks the mjf going up the ramp with the um you know security very similar to hbk and earl hebner back in the day um we we were wondering if there may have been kind of some like incognito callbacks to that as well. Um, just being that it's the anniversary. I I loved this match. I mean, they're really this pay-per-view really didn't do me wrong in a lot of ways. I yeah, figured yeah. that this was gonna be MJF's time to get the win. Um, the fact that he was in home territory, I feel like it would have definitely been the wrong move to not give him the win. Um, but I'm really excited to see because I think we've had a lot of people as world champions that are that have kind of been of more of a veteran status. And now we have someone who's only 26 years old and he has so much in the tank. I feel like there's just limitless opportunity in terms of what you can do with him now. Youngest age champion ever. Uh Jacob McCray says, I love Regal with MJF, but I hope BCC doesn't disband. Hope it becomes a dynasty in AEW. Like so many things in AEW and so many ideas, I think it started off really strong. And then 
it fizzled and it lost its way. It was to to help add to the next generation of badasses. And Wheeler Yuta has been de-emphasized an awful lot. And Daniel Garcia has been de-emphasized an awful lot on the Yas end of things over the last few weeks. I feel like that sort of lost its way a little bit. But I also think that Moxley might be headed for a vacation too. So I guess we'll see. But Hugh Janus says, can we get rid of the loser wearing red trope? New MJF was winning straight away. That said, great match and great show. I think it's just a, a coincidence, buddy. I, that's it. Guys, get in your super chats and humper chats. We are heading down the home stretch. VS Della says, Sean, love everything you do, but why the hell is this the first time I'm seeing Julie? Good Lord, she is beautiful. Thank you. That was a beautiful night. Thank you. <laughs> is Regal turning on BCC or do you think it was more of a tip of a cap? Why is this your first time seeing Julie? I don't know. It's probably the first time you've watched one of our AEW pay-per-view post shows because she's pretty much a regular at this point. Uh, I just assume I'm going to do these with her from now on. And uh, with, yeah, I think Regal's turning on BCC. I don't think there's a tip of the cap that involves him passing a brass knuckle to somebody and getting somebody knocked out. I think it's, it's a turn. And Brent Lockman says, the greatest trick the devil ever, ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. MJF wasn't talking about himself. Love that ending. That's the thing. Like, he played everybody. Now, I kind of like babyface leaning MJF. I, I, if they try to force him to be a heel... We're going to go into like reverse Cody territory. And uh, I don't know if that's that's the right one. I think you just need to lean into what the fans are telling you. Because I feel like, I mean, towards the end of of Cody's AEW run, I feel like the, the fans just wanted a heel turn from him so badly. And I feel like, I don't, I don't recall when he said this, but... I, I know he had kind of reflected on his AEW run a little bit since he left. And I don't feel like he he acknowledged that that was, was in the cards for him. But I feel like that's just naturally what the people were asking for. And so I feel like Jericho has said this himself, that a lot of ideas that he has developed over time were things that just kind of happened on the fly and stuck. And so I think sometimes you just need to roll with it. You just need to call an audible and roll with what the people are telling you if if you want it to work. And so I think MJF, I think he's very, very smart in this business. And so I think he will do that. I think that he will roll with what the people are sort of edging him to do. But I think he's going to play us a little bit while he does it. Guys, uh, I want to thank you so much for the support. As I mentioned, November, December, January, kind of down months for Super Chats, but you guys have been really good to us tonight. Uh, Gotham Guy says, much like in great storytelling, you guys, or you have to give people what they expect, but not in the way they expect it. I think the main event just did that. That is a wonderful way of putting it. I think I that's a fantastic way of putting it. And I think that's a more eloquent way of putting it when I say that like predictable isn't bad if it's good. We knew this was going to happen. I think it's going to lead to MJF uh, still trying to convince us that his contract is up on January 1st, 2024 and holding the title through then and maybe holding the title up and holding the title hostage. Uh, but we're not going to hold you guys hostage any longer. A two hour post show. I want to thank Luis for doing some moderating. I want to thank Will Washington who is live at the scrum. I want to thank uh, Denise who 
always has great videos of the scrum individual videos please support her work she pays money out of pocket to go to those things and do them on her channel so support her uh john alba did a great job live tweeting the scrum as well which really helped us and robert d felice uh, picked up a, a, a lot of that like those notes but jeremy lambert colin skyler and the rest of our team that did great work on the articles and kyler who does great social media work rob wilkins and our team who did the preview show big thank you to everybody at fightful i really really love this team and uh julie you, you've become quite a nice part of it on these aw post shows tell the people where they can find you of course. So I am on Instagram. I am at the crown jewels. Crown is with an E at the end. It's the old English spelling. That's just how you roll. And I have a very exciting appearance coming up in just a couple of weeks. If you are in Central Florida and you would like to come and meet me in person, I will be at Pro Wrestling Action Winter Wonder Slam, which is going to be Friday, December 16th at the Eastmont Civic Center in Altamont Springs. And this is going to be a really cool show because this promotion has had a lot of people that have been featured on AEW Dark that have become household names in wrestling. So if you want to see the next big up and coming names in professional wrestling and you are in Central Florida, this is the place to do it. Um, go follow me on Instagram, follow their Instagram page at Pro Wrestling Action, and you can get information about tickets for upcoming show. Check her out. We we adore Julie here. She, we always love having her on. Hopefully we can have her on more. Guys, thank you all so much. These uh, post-AEW shows always go long. We're always up till 2, 2, or 3 in the morning. But uh, my God, there's so much content surrounding it. And Okay, did I like us making like a lot of money off of those shows? Yes, but I am very glad that I am not covering somebody's dog getting picked up or kicked into a door or anything this week. Thank you guys so much. Until next time, we're out.